Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts now by your Spirit. We are here to hear from you, to see you in Jesus afresh, to follow you. Would you refresh us and sustain us with a word from you? And in the busyness of this Advent and Christmas season, especially for so many of us who serve on different teams in the church, we pray that still we would hear you speaking to us, refreshing and reminding us of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I I love John the Baptist. And um, it's actually been a great delight over the last 13, 14 years to have served here in a church that is dedicated to um, the memory of John the Baptist. Most Church of England churches have a dedication of some kind or another. Uh, And of course, having a primary school attached called St. John the Baptist Primary School, I've often tried to explain a little bit about who this John the Baptist person, figure, character is. Um, I want them to know about Jesus, of course, but because the name John the Baptist is in their very school title, uh, they need to know a bit about John the Baptist as well. And I found it helpful sometimes to look at this very passage. I had a a group of year uh, two children, in fact, um, here last month, gathering, learning a bit about St. John the Baptist. Uh, So we we looked at the stained glass window and we uh, looked at some scriptures about John the Baptist. And I said, there are three things about John the Baptist that's really helpful to remember. Um, uh, the first is that he lived a simple life. And it says here uh, that he um, wore camel's hair, clothing made of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, ate locusts and wild honey. So he, he wasn't um, into fine dining or fancy finery uh, and, and garments. He wore simple things. Uh, and I think in an age like ours, where it can be tempting to try and show our status and our significance with the grandeur of our clothes or the places we go or the holidays we have or the restaurants we eat in or the stuff we have, I think this um, call to live simply, just to be content with the simple things, uh, is something that we see in John the Baptist and it's worth emulating and uh, imitating. So first thing about John the Baptist, he lives simply. Um, the second thing I love about John the Baptist is he speaks truth to power and he stands up for justice. Um, he, he, gets a, he gets his head chopped off for it, um, but it's a, it's a wonderful thing that he's somebody who's willing to confront people when they are doing what is wrong uh, and speak up for justice. And in an age like ours, again, we need people who will speak up for truth and for justice and who are not afraid to go uh, up against the powerful from time to time uh, saying what is right and what needs to be said. So first thing I love, simplicity. Second thing, willing to speak truth to power and to seek justice. Third thing I love is that he points people to Jesus. He always points away from himself and instead points people to Jesus. In the beginning of John's gospel, um, when John first sees Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He draws attention to Jesus, the one who was sent into the world to fulfill that great Passover, uh, that great Passover deliverance. For God's people. And here again in Mark's gospel, John is very much described as somebody who's preparing the way for Jesus. It's not about him, it's about Jesus. Later on, John says, I must decrease, he must increase. There's something quite self-effacing about John. 
live simply, he will, he will speak truth to power and stand up for justice, but also he says it's not about me, it's about the one who will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. This week I visited the primary school, St John the Baptist Primary School, and I was asked a question, they want to, I visited classes in year six and they wanted to know about how Christians, uh, how and why Christians advertise Christmas. And I thought that was a slightly strange turn of phrase to use, so I, I decided to discuss with them why we communicate about Christmas and everything that goes on in our services. But they, they wanted to understand what sorts of things the church does at Christmas um, and why we do those things. So we explored together what it might mean to communicate the message of Christmas in the wider world and why we might do that. I suggested to them that all of our communication for Christians begins in the words of John's gospel, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That which was unseen became seen. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God, all of our communication begins in God communicating himself to us in Jesus. And only because of Jesus do we have any good news to share. And that was the second thing I explored with them, this idea that there was good news. That Jesus' coming is as light in the darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Upon them a great light has dawned. That as we sang a few moments ago, Jesus is the one who brings light, love, light in the darkness, hope. And that in the world in which we live, there are many people who are in need of some hope, some comfort, some consolation, a message of love, to know that they are seen, known, chosen, loved, accepted by God. And that that was why Christians at this time of year particularly wanted to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. We do at all times of the year, but at Christmas it seems particularly important to invite people in the wider world in, in those dark winter nights when it's cold and when people maybe feel overwhelmed by the media messaging around them that they don't have enough money or they don't have enough resources or they don't have enough friends or family to say, actually, uh, come and find your hope, your family, your friendship in Jesus. Mark's gospel begins with words that prepare us to encounter Jesus. The first recorded words of Jesus in public ministry are these, and they're actually uh, just a few verses below in, in verse 14 in uh, Mark chapter 1, where Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near to you, repent and believe the good news. But before Jesus bursts onto the scene, calling people to repent and to come and believe the good news and to experience the kingdom of God come near to them, before Jesus does this, a messenger is sent to prepare the way, to make preparations for this announcement, this good news. And that's what Avril read for us this evening. These first eight verses of Mark's gospel prepare us for who to expect. And I want to focus on the names that are shared, four names that are shared about who we could expect and offer this as a sort of reflection for how we might want to meditate and pray this Advent, this Christmas. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Four names, four titles given to Jesus. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, 
and Lord. Firstly, Jesus. Jesus is the anglicised form of Yeshua, which was uh, the Aramaic form of Joshua. Joshua, a servant of Moses, who accompanied Moses in leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And Joshua, the one who succeeded Moses and was given the task of leading God's people into freedom in the promised land. Joshua, who with his friend Caleb went to spy in the land of Canaan. And though 10 of the 12 were overwhelmed and intimidated by the size of the occupants of the land, Joshua and Caleb came back announcing, if God is on our side, it will be fine. Joshua, a man full of faith. Joshua, the one who got to the river Jordan and depended upon God to stop up the water so they could cross over into safety. Joshua, who led the people, saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is a new Joshua, the one who leads God's people into their promised future. Not now so much a promised land, but a promised life. Life in all its fullness. Life with God. Here and in eternity. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. Jesus, the divine deliverer who delivers us into the life God has promised for us. Messiah, anointed one, the chosen servant of God. Messiah was a a Hebrew term which was translated Christos in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is a Greek text, a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures produced about 150 years, uh, 180 years uh, before the birth of Jesus. And it was that Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures that was in common currency and common, commonly understood and known throughout the ancient Near East at the time of Jesus's life. And that's why when we hear the name Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, we're hearing his, not his surname, but his title, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christos. What then is a Messiah? The Messiah is an anointed one. In the Hebrew scriptures, the Messiah, uh, Messiah is one who is anointed with oil for a special purpose, given uh, a divine mandate, a chosen servant of God. In the prophet Isaiah, I was interested to look at Isaiah because he was referenced in our reading tonight, twice uh, Messiah, Christos, anointed one, is mentioned. In chapter 41, it refers to Cyrus, Cyrus, um, who uh, delivered the um, Israelites from their captivity in Babylon. But then again in Isaiah 61, the culmination of these servant songs in that section of Isaiah. The servant says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You recall in Luke's gospel, Jesus entered the synagogue, asked for the scroll to be handed to him, found this passage from Isaiah 61, read it, rolled it up and concluded by saying, today 
these words are fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was saying, I am that anointed one. In Jewish eschatology and Jewish understanding of the end times, the term Messiah came to refer to a future Jewish king from the Davidic line who would be anointed with holy anointing oil and would become king of God's kingdom, ruling over God's people throughout the Messianic age. The first Christians believed this messianic expectation to have been fulfilled in Christ, in Jesus. So Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, the divine deliverer, Messiah, the anointed one, the suffering servant who fulfills God's purposes. Or son of God, son of God. Let me read from, for you from uh, Psalm 2. I forgot to type it into my notes, so I'll just look it up quickly. Psalm 2, great psalm that references God's chosen son. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. There's that term again. But the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. He terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And this is this picture in Psalm 2 of uh, the inhabitants of earth rising up against God, taking their stand against him, and, and God sitting in heaven and laughing, saying, don't be ridiculous. I've set my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. And then... What does he say? He says, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Perhaps this is David writing this psalm, taking upon himself um, ownership and responsibility for this uh, sovereign rule from Zion, of God's holy hill. But the first Christians read this as being the voice of Jesus speaking through the Psalms. And God saying, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Jesus, son of God, the one who is established upon Zion, upon God's holy mountain, the one who will rule over the nations and will be given uh, all the ends of the earth as his inheritance. And if Jesus is son of God, son of the heavenly father, and we are adopted into his family, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ, with Christ, and so daughters and sons of our heavenly father. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, the divine deliverer, Messiah, anointed one, suffering servant, fulfilling God's purposes, brother Jesus, bringing us to the father, and finally, Lord Isaiah writes, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. The Greek term is kurios. It's the one who rules in sovereignty and authority. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, says Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 28. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. 
one of the most significant moments in Jesus's earthly ministry. It's actually the moment where he ascends from earth to heaven. Remember the episode in the first chapter of Acts. And the disciples, having witnessed Jesus resurrected from the dead and encountered him, then see him ascending. Coming on the clouds. Coming on the clouds into his father's kingdom, into heaven. They saw immediately a reference to Daniel 9. Daniel 7, sorry, Daniel 7 in which Daniel sees one with the appearance of a son of man coming on the clouds to whom all authority and all dominion is given. Jesus, Yeshua, the divine deliverer. Messiah, the anointed one, the suffering servant, fulfilling God's purposes, chosen. Son of God, son of the father, brother Jesus who brings us to our heavenly father and Lord, Kyrios, sovereign Lord, to whom all authority in heaven and earth is given. Which name of Jesus do you need to know him by this Christmas? Are you suffering and struggling? Are you anxious and hoping for change and transformation? Do you need him to be your divine deliverer who will lead you into the promised life God has for you? Are you uncertain as to God's plans? Do you need to know him as the suffering servant who fulfills God's purposes? Are you lonely? Do you need to know brother Jesus who brings us into family, brings us to his heavenly father? Or are you frustrated by the disorder and the disease of our current age and you need to know that there is one enthroned on the heavens who has all authority? who is sovereign over us. Let's just take a moment to be quiet and to pray. Jesus, divine deliverer. Messiah, anointed one suffering servant, fulfilling God's purposes. Son of God, our brother, bringing us to our Father. And Lord, over all the earth and over all our hearts. Make yourself known to us in the reading of scripture, in prayer, in the breaking of bread, in one another. And this Advent and this Christmas, may we know you afresh in whatever way will be most beneficial to us that will help us to respond to your heavenly call. We ask this in your most precious name.